We'll begin today, and if you want to turn, our primary scripture lesson is going to come from Second Chronicles today, the 15th chapter, the first seven verses. We'll get to those in a moment, and then likely take as a text thought a, a specific singular verse. This is the verse that the Lord placed on my heart this week to present to you, James chapter 4, verse 8. And it was just two months ago that we preached on that verse as we worked our way through James together. But the Lord's brought us back there with, a, I think, a more focused, uh, concentrated effort um, to share uh, the idea of drawing near to God. And that will be our title today is Drawing Near to God. Of all the dangers that we face of all of them, and we face a lot of dangers, some of which, and perhaps even we can say most of which, we're not even aware of most of the time. Not even conscious of the dangers that we face. And, and, and then there are those that we know we are confronted with. But of all the dangers that, that face us, there is one that is the most serious. There is one that requires your immediate attention. Some dangers don't require immediate attention. It requires maybe something that can be put off for a time. And there's time to take care of it. A, a surgery that needs to, needs to take place in, in order to restore health. But, but it's not necessary that this moment that there's an, an operating room that's cleared and, and, it, and time is of the essence and, and no moment can be wasted. There are those times. And then there are times when, yes, this needs to happen, but, but we can wait. We can wait a while. There is a danger that you face that you cannot delay. You cannot put off. You must not entertain thoughts of anything else that you might think is more more important or risk you and your eternal soul more immediately than this. And that, of course, is being at a distance or being separated from God. It's the most important danger you face. You could list them all and, and none of them would be higher on that list than this one. None of them would. And even in your mind, as you might think about it, and you could list them and brainstorm and, and put them on a whiteboard and begin to list all of the dangers that maybe concern you in your life. None of them would ever take the slot of the first one on that list other than being separated from God. And, and certainly that's true for those that don't know him and have never been near to him never been close to God, never, never felt his fellowship, the peace and his love as, his, as the spirit in a sense wraps his arms around us and, and helps us to know that we have been forgiven as we repent of our sin and, and he holds us and he gives us peace that it's well with our soul. If, those, if, the, if that's you and you've never experienced that, then, then certainly you're in great danger, eternal danger. And yet, even for those of us that are saved, we can find ourselves at a distance from God. And we've talked about this before, but 
for whatever reason, God wants us to think about it again today. We can find ourselves at a distance from him, can't we? And so I ask you today, as the Lord has asked me, are you distant from God? I, I think before I take my scripture lesson, I, I want you to think about three categories of people. Three places mentally that someone can be in, in regard to the question that I just asked. Are you a distance from God? There are those who are and, and don't realize it. Not really, not fully. They, they don't know it. They don't understand the danger they're in. This is a terribly though dangerous place to be. And when you don't even recognize that you're in danger. If this is you, then, then I can only beg you to stop long enough to look at life. Realize that it's going to end. Understand what that means for you. For, for those around you. The witness that you'll leave behind you. The legacy that people talk about often that they want to leave in their life. If, if you're a distance from God and maybe you're going about your life and you're you're distant from him and, and maybe you're so busy, you're so wrapped up in the world, you don't even realize it. It's not even a conscious thought in your mind. I, I ask you today to stop long enough in your life and in your busyness to realize that one day all of this is going to end and there's only going to be one thing that matters in that moment. And then you'll realize ever really mattered in all of the moments of your life that led up to that one. And that is your nearness or distance from God. To you, if that is you, I pray that this might be something of a spiritual wake up call. That's the first category. The second type of person that I that I have in mind today as, as we begin to look at the scripture in a moment are those who sense a distance. They, they recognize it, that they're distant from God. They're separated maybe from him wholly, but they don't want to do anything about it or they're unwilling to do anything about it. Maybe life is going fine for you and you see no need to draw close or closer to God. Maybe having him at a distance is preferred because if he were closer to you or you closer to him, maybe it would prevent you from enjoying some of the things and the pursuits you have in your life. Maybe maybe God would do that if you were closer to him. And so you recognize there's a distance. You 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 feel the separation. It's not that you don't see it or don't feel it. It's just that yes, it's there. But for whatever reason, there's not motivation to bridge the distance and to close the distance between you and God. The enemy is a master liar. And one of the greatest lies he ever tells and the one of the most convincing to you that he tells to you and he tells to me is that we can get along in this world just fine without God. That's what he tells us. And that's often what we believe. And so we sense maybe this, this second type of person, if they were honest and you ask them, are you close to God? Do you, are you praying daily? Are you reading your scripture? Are you sharing the love of Christ with others in your life? And, and they say, not really, not, not if I'm being honest, but you know, there's just not enough 
motivation. There's, I don't see any reason really necessary for me to, to bridge that gap. I, I don't feel it necessary for me to do that. Maybe, maybe that's you this morning. And perhaps even this morning, maybe you will go from, from that first category and, and at least to move into the second category. And I think that's a move in the right direction. Of course, we're still not where we want to be. But being in a place where we acknowledge our distance from God is certainly better than when our head is in the sand and we don't acknowledge it or we ignore it or we try to pretend it's not there. So, so I hope at least if you started in the first category through the, the message today, through the work of the Holy Spirit in, in your heart, that, that God would at least awaken you to that and you'd move from the first category to the second. But I, I think there's a third category of person as well. Those who sense the distance and desire once again to be near to God. They want to have that distance evaporate and removed. You're tired of the emptiness of life without him. You're tired of the world and its candy that tastes sweet in the mouth but is bitter in the stomach that never really satisfies an appetite. You're tired of these things. You're, you're weary of them. The hunger of your soul for God is now to the point where you say, I want to be near to him. Perhaps for the first time, if you've never been saved, and if you've been saved and you know him, you want the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit and God restored in your life once again. And I hope that's you in the third category. And I hope that maybe, perhaps, you're even past that. You do feel the nearness of God like you would like. But how do you get close to God? How do you do this? What are the steps? What's necessary? How do you span the distance between yourself and God? In the mind of many, thoughts might immediately come where we might think that we must perform some great act in, in order to earn your way back to the presence of God. Somehow we must impress him with our behavior, with our study of scripture, with our Christian mannerisms and traditions. And, and we go back to church like we should and we attend weekly. And, and we think that maybe if we can impress God enough that that fellowship will be restored. And, and, and I think that there's just a, something of a twisting of the truth in that idea. Because there is something that's required of you. Don't, don't mistake that. And that's what we're going to look at today. And in some ways, uh, this is a much longer introduction than I like to take. But I want to set up this scripture and I want to drill into your mind and mine what God, I think, is trying to speak to us today is that it is time for us to get close to God. It's past time. For us to be close to God. Me, all of us, together, all the, the, of God's people in the world, we lament the condition of the world, and rightly we should. But let us not let the lostness of the world keep us a distance from God. The Bible tells us what we must do. And it's rather simple. 
It isn't complicated. You don't need a, a doctorate degree. You don't need an incredible amount of intelligence. You don't need any of these things. What's required is simple, but it does require something from you. Let's read together Second Chronicles chapter 15, verses 1 through 7, and then we'll take as our text James 4, 8. The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded, and he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when in their distress, they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. In those times, there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in. For great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. But you take courage. Do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Though we might take a number of thoughts from various places in this reading, what I want to draw to your attention most specifically is found in verse 2 where Asa is told by Azariah, the Lord is with you while you are with him. And the verse of scripture that came to mind that I believe God wants us to consider even more directly today, James chapter four, verse eight, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Drawing near to God. How? Does this happen? But maybe again, whichever category you're in, that first category. Maybe, maybe you've been there, but for through the mercy and the grace of God and the Spirit of God, it's kind of knocked on your heart's door already today, and it's awoken you to the fact that there's a distance between you and God that that you weren't dealing with, that you weren't thinking about, that that you you've left there that that needs to be removed in your life, and and nearness to God once again needs to be that that wins the day instead of distance and separation and remoteness and and seeing God afar but but feeling and knowing that he's near maybe you were in that first category and now maybe you've moved into this second category and and you recognize the distance but sadly at least at this point there's still not enough uh, a desire to move but that's what we find first of all is necessary isn't it draw near to God. Draw near. There's an implication here, is there not, that we have to move. We have to move. We have to choose. And, and in many places in Scripture, we find these same uh, words and thoughts of you draw near to God, draw nigh to Him, come into His presence, and He will come and be with you. There's an implication that we must get up from where we are to go toward God. Draw near to God. And, and that's what we want to say. Secondly. 
is that we are drawing near to God. To God. Not just things about God. And, and we talk a lot about this, I know, but I think, I think many, a great many people confuse what Christianity and what following God in life is all about and drawing near to Him really is. We, we are allowed and sometimes we think that what we're to do to draw near to God is to draw near to the things about Him rather than Him. A moment of transparency and an honest reflection from your preacher. A preacher can draw near to his sermon and be a long way from God. Christians can draw near to, to their church and be a long way from God. Bible readers can draw near to their study and, and take not one step in the direction of drawing near to God. You're drawing near. If, if there's a distance between you and Him, it isn't merely because there's things that are about Him that you're lacking. It's Him that you're lacking. It's God and His presence in the Holy Spirit as He comes and, and takes up an abode in your heart and you know Him and you walk with Him. There are a great many things that we can draw near to, but the call that we are given both by uh, by extension from Azariah to Asa and thus to us, from James to those that he was writing to, and by extension to us, draw near to God. Now, these are the things about him. They can be a help to you, and I hope they are. You should read your Bible. A preacher should consider and study and prayerfully meditate and, and think about, God, what would you have me to share to your with your people? Because one of these days, it's going to be the last time that I have an opportunity to share with them what you would have them to hear. And I know that you'll just bring another one along in my absence. And it's not me that they need, but it's you. But but this this opportunity you're giving to me is rare and it, it is it's numbered it's it's limited and so help me to present to them what you want me to present to them because you want them to hear something from you i don't want to just draw near to to that i want to draw near to you and 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 yet at the same time even coming to church i i hope that's a habit in your life i it is for most of us it's just something that we do but the call is not to just simply draw near to the church it's it's draw near to God. Draw nigh to me, God says. Don't let things about him actually end up drawing you away from him. And that can happen. You remember that brazen serpent in the wilderness? And Hezekiah ended up calling Nehushtan, meaning it's just a piece of brass. There in the wilderness when the children of Israel had disobeyed and God sent serpents among them and all of those who were bitten by the serpent, if they looked to that bronze serpent that, were, that, that was a reflection and a picture of salvation in Christ, if they looked to that, then, then they would be spared. And, and yet hundreds of years later, they began to worship that, that bronze piece of brass. Are, are you worshiping God today? Or something else? Are you drawing nigh to him? Or to things that look like him? 
things even that are about him. So draw near, move, call. This is a call. I, Moses, choose who you're going to serve. Joshua, choose. Elijah, essentially, choose. Uh, Paul, choose. Peter, choose. James, here, choose. We're told again and again and again to move, and to choose, and to, to make a concerted and, and purposed movement toward God. And, and may, let's not forget that we are moving toward God, not, not just things about Him, but Him. And as we move toward Him, we are going to inevitably move away from other things. And, and that's where sometimes we struggle and we hesitate. We will move away from other things as we draw near to God. Specifically, of course, we'll move away from sin. And we've, again, just recently read this verse in James chapter 4, verse 8. And most of you probably recall we didn't read the entire thing. The rest of that verse said, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. This is where that second category of person that I mentioned earlier most often struggles to bridge the gap between themselves and God. There's a distance. They understand there's a distance. And perhaps the Spirit of God convicts of sin in their life that's keeping them at a distance from God, and yet they're unwilling to move toward Him. James said, cleanse your hands, you sinners. They, there's an unwillingness often on the part of those that are distanced from God to do just that, to cleanse their hands or to purify their hearts and to be done away with double-mindedness. To be finished with it. To be through with it. To be all in. To throw the lot all in with God. And so long as there's a hesitation to do that, there will be a distance between you and him. But those in this second category, as they, they admit to themselves at least, if no one else, that there's a distance between me and God, that there is also at the same time this double-mindedness. They are like those in Israel who Elijah accused of halting between two opinions. Stumbling between two opinions, as the King James says, not not knowing whether to serve Baal or to serve Jehovah. They they halted. They they hesitated. They were double-minded. Elijah called them, did he not? He called them on their double-mindedness, and he cried out to them to make up their minds. This is what we say to those who may be in that second category. We've probably all been there at times. If you've not been saved, maybe one day you'll find yourself here. God might bring these words back to you that Elijah calls them on their double-mindedness in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, and he cries out to them to make up their minds, and I make the same cry to you. This is what that verse says. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two different opinions. If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. The people did not answer him a word. I want you to note very carefully that Elijah did not simply encourage them to serve God. It's not all that he did. Of course, that's what he wanted. 
That's what he desired for them to do. That was what he hoped would occur. But rather than just call them to do that, he calls them to finally be honest with themselves. His call was for them to make up their minds. Make up your mind. They claimed to be Israel. These people that Elijah was speaking to, they claimed to be Israel and thus they claimed to be Jehovah's people. The people of Jehovah, the self-existent one, the one true God, the people delivered by God from Egyptian slavery, the people given a law to obey from God, the people of this one true and living God, they claimed to be that by their Jewishness and their Israelite citizenship. And yet in truth, they served and worshipped Baal instead. And that is what Elijah was calling out and made clear to Israel. Basically, I think you can say it this way. If God is God, then serve him. If there is some other God, and now I speak to us today and to you, if there is something else in your life, if there's some other God that you believe is worth your time, your energy, your worship, your praise, your honor, your devotion, then serve him. That's what Elijah would say. Some might be feeling quite nervous at this point. This seems like a dangerous thing to say. And when you think about it, it is. It was dangerous for Elijah to say that, wasn't it? Because what if it led them to say, then I choose Baal? And many of them no doubt did. Why would Elijah point them and drive to this point of decision? Why would he not be a little lighter in his words and a little kinder and a little less divisive in his actions and in his speech? This is, this is dangerous to call this out. And I make this point to you and to me even with, with no small amount of trepidation on my own part. The very last thing I want to do is to give you any reason to go serve some God, little g, out in this world and give your life to something that does not give anything of itself back to you, but leaves you empty and an empty husk and and, and, de and defeated and, and, and disappointed and broken and lost for eternity. The very last thing I want to do is to encourage you and to give you any push in that direction. That's the very last thing I want to do. No doubt it was the very last thing Elijah wanted the people to do, but he asked the question still, make up your mind. You see, this is what your life comes down to. This is it. Who, what is your God? Who or what do you serve? Who or what gets you out of bed in the morning? Like Israel, you may not be willing to speak a word and answer. And they didn't. But there are answers right now being revealed in your own mind and heart. Who is my God? What is the answer? There's no use in pretending or attempting to fool yourself. You certainly aren't fooling God. And I would like to tell you as well that it's likely you're not fooling others nearly as well as you might think you are. This is a dangerous question. This is dangerous territory, I know. But Elijah says, make up your mind. And God says, draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. 
but he said it through Azariah this way, I'll be with you as long as you are with me. It's time to make up your mind. Examine your heart. This is dangerous, but there's no escaping the need to face this danger. Ask God to examine your heart and reveal what is there that maybe you're blind to or just unwilling at this moment to admit. And as dangerous as it is, this question, better to expose the lie, even at the risk of believing it, than to go on never having really made up your own mind about it anyway. Better to expose the lie and face it than to just ignore it so long as as open and unrepentant sin remains in our lives, there is going to continue to be a distance between us and God, and it will remain. And, and so in saying that, I know that there's going to always be something of a distance between us and God, but that, that does not mean that we aren't ever and always striving for greater repentance in our life and greater holiness, not for those things themselves, but because that's where and how we draw near to God. So long as there's open and unrepentant sin in life, in yours or mine, there's, that distance is going to remain. And, and by the way, typically this distance grows or it shrinks. It rarely stays the same. This distance between us and God, it either shrinks as we draw closer to him and he to us or or it grows as, as another day goes by and and that distance just by the nature of like being adrift at sea as the current takes you further and further away from the shore you don't have to do anything other than float there and you're out further from where you want to be spiritually in this world that's how each day is you're either paddling and striving or swimming toward god toward shore toward that place god wants you to be or you're drifting and by that drifting alone you're further away which is it rarely do we go to bed at night the same distance from god that we were when we woke up rarely is that the case i think each day of our lives will typically find us either closer to him or further away. And maybe it's by the smallest of, of amounts. A fraction of a mile, we might think, but yet it's still, the tr it's still true. You either sense his presence more clearly or he seems more distant. I pray that at least you're in this third category we spoke of earlier, of people who desire to close the distance between themselves and God. Because then an honest examination of sin might take place. Instead of the second category, a person comes up to the realization that there's things that I must change and repent of, and they step back. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. If you're in that third category of people and desire to close the distance between yourself and God, then an honest examination of sin might just be what's needed. This, this will likely, that will likely be a painful process. It will certainly be a humble process. Humbling. It might mean that some major changes in your life are necessary. It might. 
It could mean the giving up of the things that have grown important to you, but are at the same time contributing to the distance between you and God. It could mean obeying God in something you've been putting off. I don't know what it could be, all it could be. Whatever it involves, know this. To walk toward God in this world involves walking away from it. To walk toward God in this world is going to require that you walk away from it. Never out of it, always in it, but never lodging your home here. Never setting up your anchor of hope here. Never serving this life, always serving God in view of the next life. Now, upon moving toward God, there's great promise here in James 4, 8, isn't there? Upon moving toward God, upon our move toward him, he will move toward us. Maybe you're at that point. Maybe you've, in a very short amount of time, gone from the first category of person who was oblivious to their distance from God to finally going, wow, I've. A distance is really set up in my life between me and God. Maybe you've moved into the second category in a very short amount of time. You've said, yes, there's a distance, but I'm unwilling to make a change. And, and maybe by the grace of God, he's now moving you and motivating your heart to change that. And he says to you, move toward me. And as, and as you even begin to think about the move toward God, all the things that have separated you from him begin to get listed in your mind. And, and the enemy even begins to whisper in your ear all the repentance that you're going to need to go through and all the difficulty and the things that you may have to give up. And he, he just lists all of these things and he clouds your mind and you and mine with, with things that don't really ultimately matter because what's most important is that I'm near God. That's the most important thing. And if that's the case, as you move toward God, there's a great promise here and I want to encourage you. If you're right there at the precipice, the decision point, Am I going to move toward God or am I going to allow this day to be wasted and at the end of this day, close my eyes and sleep further from him than when I opened them because of this very message that God wanted me to hear this day in this place at this point in my life. Am I going to go to sleep closer to him or further away from him? That's what God wants you to think about and to consider, I think, today. I know he wants me to think about it, but I want to encourage you if you're there and you're at that difficult place and you say, all the things that I may have to give up, I want you to know if you move toward God, he's going to move toward you. It's what we were just told. What an unbelievable thought, isn't it? That last phrase of that statement, he will draw nigh to you. As you move toward God, God is going to move toward you. I'm not sure we appreciate the enormity of this thought that is expressed in so few words. As we begin to take steps toward God, He begins to take steps toward us. Did you realize you have the ability to move God? I know that sounds crazy. It sounds like a prosperity preacher. You might think I've lost my mind, but I want you to hang on with me. This is exactly what the scripture says. I, am I move toward God. He's going to move toward me. 
Do you realize that? Now, that ought not puff you up with pride. It ought to humble you beyond belief and beyond description. I realize that facing up to the things that separate us from God will be a hard thing to do. I know it will. I realize that closing the gap between us and God will often involve separating ourselves from the things that we have allowed to become a big part of our lives, but that ultimately are contributing to our distance from God. I realize that confronting sin is one of the hardest things a human being ever has to do. I I get it. I understand the temptation to just come up to this point and maybe stay solidly in that second category of person and say, yes, there's a distance, but I'm unwilling to change it. And then before long, you slide back into the first category and you pretend. You live your life in pretend land. Fantasy land. All is well. All is peaceful. God had a lot of harsh things to say about the pastors and the priests and the prophets who in Israel were saying, peace, peace, when there was no peace. But you put pretend. You can. You have in your human mind and heart that God has planted inside of you the capability to ignore the most important thing in your life if you so choose. You can pretend. I understand that that, that, that temptation is there. I realize the danger that lies in wrestling honestly with the call from Elijah to finally and ultimately make up our minds about God. I know the easy thing to do would be to ignore these things and simply move on with our lives. But as we ignore them and move on, we are at the same time moving away from God and the distance between us and him only grows. But don't you see? Your first step toward God will lead to God's first step toward you. Just your first step. So then we can say, we can say it this way, can we not? Your first step counts too. One step from you, one step from God. One step. We can say, biblically, I think, That when we take one step toward God, then the distance between us and him has been closed by two steps, ours and his. And and listen, a single step from God can completely erase the entire distance. You can. Like that. You can. If at that point and that precipice of your heart Tracing and confronting the call from Elijah to make up your mind and the call from from James to draw nigh to God as you say yes to that and you move toward God, God can in a breath's amount of time be near completely to you. God can seem far distant right now. But if in a moment of self honest of, of honest self-examination and prayer, You turn and take one step toward him. It's possible that in a mere heartbeat, that distance can vanish and you can once again be in the presence of God. I hope that encourages you to take the step. To deal with the sin. To draw nigh to God. Knowing that as you draw nigh to him, he's going to draw nigh to you. As, as, As you are with him, he is with you, is the way Azariah says it to Asa. Yet, 
We must also realize that our ability to move God does not mean that we have the ability to manipulate him. And that's where we temper what we've said, that you and I have the ability to move God. I think that's true. But what I also know is true is I don't have the ability to manipulate him. I can't put him on my puppet strings. I can't go through some motion and impress him. I can't say a certain set of words and convince him. I can't study long enough what he's written in the Bible and understand and know him. Because it's him that I'm to draw nigh to. And I cannot manipulate him. I can move him as I honestly move toward him. He will honestly move toward me. Sometimes it will take for us a, a, an amount of time for us to feel the distance between us and God as we need to. It, that might take some time as we count it. Days, weeks, months. It might, we might have to go through that period where we wrestle with the fact that we're distant from him. And, and we may even have to begin to take a step toward him. And he is going to take step toward us. It's what he's promised us to do. But sometimes it's going to take many sessions in prayer to clear the air between you and God. I, I think it will sometimes. Now, again, I, I don't want you to understand me as to say that there's some kind of work that we must do or there's some kind of thing that we must do, that God could be at a distance and he can't come in a moment in a heartbeat because he can. He has in my own life many times. But there have also been some times where I've not been honest with myself and he knows it. And I certainly, if I'm not honest with myself, I I'm not honest with him. And he knows that. And sometimes it's going to take several sessions of prayer between us and God for the air to clear. Sometimes we don't understand all we need to understand right away. We're taking a step. We've purposed in our heart, and that is a good thing. And as we take a step toward him in honesty and can say with clear conscience and clear eyes, looking anyone in the eye and saying, I'm doing the only thing I know to do, which is trying to follow God. He's He's not moving in my life the way I would like him to. I don't understand a lot of what's happened in my life, but I'm just trying to follow him. I'm just trying to close the distance between me and him. And I don't understand it all. I know, though, that as I go toward him, he's coming toward me. But I, I can move him, but I can't manipulate him. And I want to be in his presence. Sometimes we have to endure that separation in order to understand the cause of the separation. Psalm says it this way, the 145th chapter, the 18th verse, the Lord is near to all who call on him, but he doesn't end the verse there. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. That's where a lot of people end the verse. And then they're confused. I called upon him. But that's not where the verse ends. The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call on him in truth. And there's the difference. Sometimes it takes us a while to get to the truth in our own heart. And so it takes time. Sometimes it takes us a while to get there. Sometimes we want God to be near, but we've not wrestled with the truth about why he is far. Many linger in their lost condition because they've something of a desire for God to save them and to be near, but they have not yet fully called on him in. Humble acknowledgement of sin. Broken over the Savior's love to them. As he died on a cross 
to make their way to heaven possible. They've not yet been fully convinced that God is worth everything in their life. Called on him, but not in truth. Repeated the prayer, but not called upon God. Done the right things, but distant from God. What a sad, sad thing. Call upon him in truth. Acknowledge him. Many linger, as I've said, because they're not in this place. They've, they've not been fully convinced of the depth of their sin. They've not really taken a step toward God, but rather have asked God to catch up with them. God, come along in my life. I want you to, I want you to be in my life. And maybe that's true, as, tr- as true as it can be. But it's not sincerely truth according to what God has said that we need to wrestle with. And now, as we move toward a close today, as with us moving to God himself, I want to point out one final thing about this. As we move to God himself, and, and I pray that's where your mind and your heart understand right now that this is all about moving toward God. As you move toward him, he moves toward you. You. And you might say, how is this different? What are you trying to say? Listen, God is not going to simply move near to the things in your life. That's not what this is about. Just as we're not to move toward the things about God, understand he's not merely going to move toward the things about us. He's going to move toward us. God will not simply move near to your job and make it wonderful. He's not going to move near to your spouse, to your money, to your to your life and, and the things that attend it. He moves toward you. This is where the prosperity preacher goes off the track. His advice will be this. Do nice things for God and God will do nice things for you. As far as it can be from draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Because you see, the things that attend your life is not what God wants to draw nigh to merely. He wants you. The promise is not that God's merely going to do good things for you if you do good things for him. God's promise is not merely to be nearby so that he can touch and bless the things in our lives. This is not the goal. This is not the promise. This promise is all about our closeness to God and his closeness to us. And sometimes prosperity, easy lives, great comforts in the world can be the very things that drive us away from God and create the distance. And so sometimes it is the difficulty with the things that attend our life that allow us the most closeness with God. I've read many biographies. And and if you don't read good Christian biographies of men and women that have come before us, that can be one of the greatest helps to you. I encourage you to do it. Men and women that have suffered terribly in this world, terrible loss, physical suffering, They say that Charles Spurgeon, the last decade or so of his ministry, if not longer, he went to the pulpit every time in terrible physical pain. 
Adoniram Judson, we've mentioned so many times, lost multiple wives on the mission field. Some before even the first convert came in Burma. So many, Hudson Taylor, I mean, uh, David Livingston, I mean, we could list them and, and Corey Ten Boom and, and so many others. We can look at their lives and we go, how is God near to them? And how are they near to God? Look at their life. It's just a train wreck in the eyes of the world. No success. But they would tell you the sweetest expression and the tear in their eye of the fellowship they have with God is worth it all. So the question is, are you willing to walk away? from these temporary things in the world in order to take a step closer to God and trust that he is going to take a step closer to you? Or are you going to be in that first category, put your head in the sand, maybe the second category and recognize it, but do nothing about it? If you're in the third category, I leave you with this good news and this good hope. One step on your part starts the process of God moving towards you. And that gap can be closed today. But I'll tell you this, if you take one step toward him, it will be closing one way or the other. Is there a distance between you and God? Then face the things you need to face. Turn back toward God and take the steps towards him that you long to take, I think, in your heart today. You might feel like it's going to be a long journey back. And it may be. It may be. I don't know. Because I can't manipulate God. But it may not. It may not be. Either way, the longest journeys, as they say, begin with the same as the short journey. And that's the first step. Do not be discouraged. And I'll leave you with that seventh verse of Second Chronicles chapter 15. But you... But you, take courage. Do not let your hands be weak. For your work shall be rewarded. You take a step toward God, he'll take a step toward you. Draw near to God. Thank you for your attention. Let's have a song, Brother Barnett. Good.